All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Reaching Father podcast. Peace and blessings. My name is Osa. I'm going to be your host for this ride where we talk about fatherhood, co-parenting, and the surrounding relationships. So big shout out if you're tuning in for the first time and uh, this isn't your first time, that's even better actually. So um, thank you for coming back and joining me. Now, if you made it through episode two, big appreciation, big shout out to you. Episode two was rough. We got in there with talking about sins of the father. It's a little bit different perspective than what it may sound like, or maybe it wasn't. However, we went in, we went in. So thank you for sitting through it, listening to it. Thanks for the feedback that you gave. And I appreciate uh, some of y'all that spoke to me. Again, if you got any feedback anytime, reach out to me, reachingfatherpodcast at gmail.com. Also on your social media places like Instagram and leave a comment on the YouTube, all that good stuff, man. Like, comment, share, you know, y'all know what to do. It's the internet, right? We've been at this for a while. So show some of that love to me and I appreciate anybody that already has. Now, speaking of sins of the father, let's just go ahead and just, let's just attack the elephant in the room um, real quick. I'm not even going to say too much about this Will Smith thing, but he's a father. So I guess so, right? Uh, we all know what happened. I really don't want to talk about it. I just want to share my quick two cents. Uh, I think I've got a couple of different angles on this. Um, I think to um, the women out there, I think that um, I don't think that this was about y'all, like black women and stuff like that and protecting black women. I don't think this has anything to do with that at all. And I think it's a little bit kind of self-centered to take something that has to do with Will Smith and his wife only and like think that like he was thinking about the rest of y'all when he made that decision. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think that. Uh, nah, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. I mean, and it sounds like he has to deal with a lot. And so I think he only has the capacity for one crazy woman. I think that like most men who decide to get married, I think they only have the capacity to deal with one crazy woman at a time. And so, you know, if that's his choice and that, that's who he's rocking with, that's who he's going hard for. Like, I don't think it has nothing to do with the rest of any of y'all, like not even close. I don't think that that was any kind of statement, anything. I think that this just was a personal decision that he made and he went through. So, you know, that's all I'm gonna say to, this, to the ladies on that one. Um, now to the guys, I mean, look, as a man myself, I don't, I don't pretend, like usually when I see things happen, I mean, more often than not, I don't pretend like that I would always make better decisions cause I, I don't really think I have a hold or handle on that all that well. Would I have done that? In that situation, probably not, but I mean, I don't really understand the whole entire situation. Here's my measure for, th this is my measure for, for, for manhood and like what I think makes a man. I think ultimately at the end of the day, what makes a man is his ability to not only make decisions, which is very important. Good decision-making is very important. However, I think also too, is being able to deal with the consequences and repercussions of those decisions and i mean i know a lot of people are saying that or some people i guess are saying that it was a emotional reaction which i guess it it was to a degree i don't think it was 
to a very large degree. It seemed very thought out. And maybe I'm just giving Will Smith too much credit. Uh, but I, you know, I think he's at least as uh, resolute as I am. And so the distance that he walked from his seat to Chris Rock, for somebody like me, let me just say for somebody like me, that was a, a very long time to think through what he was about to do. Like in my world, I can I can think through at least five, six, seven scenarios in that time with what I'm about to do. Now, once I get up out my seat, I've committed, it, it narrows the pool. I mean, everybody got all these ideas about what they would do differently. But once you got up out your seat, all the half of your ideas out there in the internet world, uh, they, they're out of play because you got up out of a seat. So once you get up out of your seat, You've only got a finite number of choices at that point. And I think that Will Smith is intelligent enough. Well, I know I am, but I just think he's, you know, he's probably a little bit more seasoned than I am. And he's he's a little bit older than me. So I give him that much respect. Um, but I think that that's enough time for somebody like him to think through it and think through the options and, and really be firmed in what he decided to do. Again, I'm not here to comment on if it's right or wrong. I, whatever. It is what it is. Like he decided to do what he did. And I'm sure he thought about all of the potential consequences and he thought through them. Now, that's what he was willing to do in that moment. And that's what he did. And I'm, and he seemed like he was just prepared to deal with the consequences. So just on that, I respect it. Um, I think the last thing I'm going to say about that is the reality that most people, I will, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about is the fact that Mm. Mo many men wish death upon me, blood. No, I'm just kidding. But many men in that situation before this incident, the incidences that we've seen with with Jada in the past, just the stuff that he's had to go through with Jada, just the little stuff, and just even me. I'm not even very um, pop culture aware, but just the stuff that I've seen, um, I I know. Well, I would say very confidently, like just with the little stuff that we've seen in the public eye, I mean, that would and that is is destroying a lot of men. That's destroying a lot of men. Um, I mean, just the what is that? The, the August Alcina, whatever that that guy's name, just that alone. I know that would send most men into depression and, and spiral downwards towards suicide. Um, the reality is that what Will Smith had to deal with even before that would make most men crumble. And that's just if those things just happen to them, let alone if those things happen to them and millions of people were aware of it and watching. He was actually yeah dealing with a lot psychologically, and we don't really put enough emphasis on the fact that if he was dealing with that much and he decided to make that moment, the time that he got a little bit aggressive, I mean, for somebody dealing with that, he did pretty good, if you ask me. Because in my opinion, most of the men that I know couldn't handle all of that to begin with. Man, honestly, I ain't gonna fake like I got all the answers because if I did, the world would be in a better place. You know, I know one thing, though, is that I know a lot more than when I started this journey. 
And most of what I know about fatherhood is organic, it's instinctual, you know, and I believe some of it's from the outside, but a lot of it comes from within. And it seems like you can only reach those levels by actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad I ain't been sitting around on the sidelines because this just takes work, man. It's just a matter of putting it in. And it's not easy. We may never do it right, but that's just what we got to do as men, as fathers, as parents, as, as citizens of the community. That's just what I believe. And to me, that's what it is. I mean, we'll never be perfect, but we can always keep reaching father. All right, welcome back. Yep, that's our theme song right there. Reachingfather.bandcamp.com. Please check that out when you get a chance. Uh, support the podcast by leaving a donation if you'd like to do so. And just share it if you respect the bars. You know what I'm saying? If you like bars, just go ahead and just share that joint with, with somebody who you know or a father that you love. Just go ahead and just share that joint. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. All right, look. All right, let's get into it. Okay. This is where we at. So there's this thing. Uh, a philosophy that um, I came up with. It's called Bones Through the Nose philosophy, right? And I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to my man Opt over there at Oc Nation TV on YouTube. Anyway, one of the one of the things that came up in our discussion, one of our, a few of our discussions, is this idea of how um, Africans were on the continent. Uh, running around with bones through their noses and that was to their disadvantage because it was the cause of them being conquered and so the bones through the nose philosophy is actually not looking at that as you know like a negative trait i would my viewpoint it's actually a very positive thing what we were doing and for the record for the actual record the bones through the nose thing that's not really an african thing it's like like a pawpaw new guinea type of thing right like somewhere else but still it's this ideology though there's probably a lot of similarities between the cultures between those cultures anyway and what I'm saying by that is that that bones through nose philosophy is a philosophy that comes from people who practice and are in tune with nature. It's a different philosophy than people who aren't. And a lot of it is going to, a lot of the way that I think, right, is going to unfold in ways that are in tune with people who try to align themselves with nature. That's why it may be disruptive to some of the common thoughts, um, because these days we don't align ourselves with nature um so just like in our, some of our discussions we have where we talk about well africans in a million years would have never invented some of the advances in technology and blah 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 blah, blah which sounds good but your eye and and it sounds like a diss in a way it sounds like you know maybe the africans were not capable or maybe the africans weren't as intelligent as the europeans which i don't necessarily believe because intelligence the grading of intelligence, if it only comes from the Europeans, then black people or African people will never have a fair chance anyway. So the the reason I, I, I mean, I agree, though, that like in a million years, Africans probably would have never came up with some of these advances the same way in which a deer never would have came up with any of the advan these advances. Um, in a million years, a lion wouldn't have come up with any of the, these advances in a million years, right? The elephants or tigers wouldn't have come up, frogs wouldn't have come up with these advances that these so-called humans have made in a million years. And for that reason, the earth probably would last it a million years longer. 
because at this rate, we definitely not looking at a million years. At least that's what the scientists believe. Anyway, um, I'm just more, I just want to point that out because that's where a lot of my thinking lies. And so some of these thoughts, like they don't like to attribute some of our characteristics to animals and stuff like that. It doesn't offend me. I watch a lot of nature documentaries. I love animals um, from a distance and I love, <laughs> I love nature documentaries and things. So it doesn't really offend me to align myself with the things that God put on this earth. That's just my opinion. And that's my philosophy on a lot of these things. So as you listen, just keep that in mind. And that's why I wanted to explain the Bone Student Knows philosophy, uh, where it comes from and how it applies. All right. So now let's get into this movie. Uh, actually, no, real quick. I got to share a quote. I got to share a quote from the late, great DMX. And he had that song, The Rough Riders Anthem. Y'all remember that joint. You have to remember that joint. Stop. Stop. Set him down. You know, all that good stuff. So I think it's like the last line of like the first verse. And he says, he says, uh, put my shit on tapes like you busting grapes. Thought you holding weight. Then you haven't met the apes. The apes usually refers to one's crew or some some really tough guys. So, you know, that's just was that's how it is on the streets. And like there's a huge disconnect between the street culture and then like the intellectual culture, I guess. I don't know what, I don't know what's not the streets, but like sometimes there's a huge disconnect because intellectual people are offended like by comparisons of black people to monkeys or apes and stuff like that. And understandably so, I mean, there's a lot of historical context that suggests that there's you know, there's just not a nice connection and it hasn't been made. But again, that's through the lens of the Europeans, which, yeah, of course, it looks bad. However, from the streets themselves, I mean, they're just called apes. <laughs> so <laughs> some of these guys are called apes. And uh, so I don't knock it. I mean, I don't it ain't it don't hurt my feelings. I mean, I'm I'm well enough to whereas a movie about apes and any similarities is not going to offend me. Uh, so if it offends you, oops. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, the the rise of the planet of the apes. Oh, man, I'm just reaching for I'm just reaching for the case. I got the I got the whole joint. I got um. It's a it's three it's a three part joint. I got the whole DVD set. I really love this movie. I really think um, it's just great. I think it should be studied and, and discussed more, uh, especially in certain circles. Um, but just generally, the movie only got it really only got um, awards for like costume design, which was great too. But the storyline, the the dialogue, which is strange to even say because a lot of it was in sign language or a significant amount of it is in sign language, but still the dialogue is just impactful. Um, the storyline, the characters, the character development. I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about like movies and why they award movies and stuff like that, but dang, they, they slept on this one. Y'all slept on this one. <laughs> Y'all slept on it. So the movie starts with these 
black and brown beings being abducted from Africa. And when they're abducted from Africa, they're taken to this foreign land, America, obviously. And then they are put into these cages inside of a facility and they are experimented upon medically. I mean, already, this should sound very familiar to a lot. <laughs> um, and so there's this company, the company that's doing the experimenting, which is ran by a black man, ironically. Uh, but it's also, you know, very likely in these days and times. But this company, which is ran by a black man, um, is experimenting on these on these apes and is trying to make all this money from this new experimental drug. And he's all about the money. He's focused on the money. And then there's the protagonist, the main character. I think his name is Will. They call him Will. He's in it for more... Um, I hate to say humanitarian, but let me say personal reasons, because <laughs> it's not. They're experimenting on Eve, so it can't be all that humanitarian. However, it's personal reasons, right? He's looking for the cure for Alzheimer's because his father um, is dealing with that in the movie. And so what happens is that one of the apes, one of the you know brightest apes, bright eyes is what they called her, um, gets out of hand one day and escapes from the cage and just starts destroying everything and blah, 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 blah. And make a long story short, the police ended up shooting this black body. Then after the police shot and killed this black body, this black bodied ape, they realized that inside of the ape's cell or let's call it a cell for lack of a better phrase inside of the cell was a baby ape so they realized that this black-bodied ape she wasn't being aggressive and out of control she was actually protecting her child so once they realized this it was actually too late they had to destroy all the other apes because one bad ape ruins the bunch and the baby was left over. And so anyway, Will was then left to raise the ape on his own. So now the, the white guy is raising this black bodied ape, this baby now. So this is when the movie really gets interesting, right? Because now Will, the protagonist, he's thrown into fatherhood uh, kind of, well, very unexpectedly which is probably the case for a lot of fathers, right? You're just kind of thrown into fatherhood and you may, you're never really ready, right? That whole thing about, I don't even really believe in like being ready. I mean, I don't know what that means, you know, being ready to be a father. Like you just, it's a thing that happens in nature. It's a natural thing. So you just kind of, you, you get ready. And so Will in this scenario, he, he did what he had to do and he started raising the the ape, right? The black-bodied ape. Now it gets to a point where they're visiting the redwood forest. Um, and one very interesting part is that uh, Caesar, that, that's the name of, of the black-bodied ape, right? So they named the black-bodied ape Caesar. So we'll call him Caesar from this point on. And Caesar, 
he before he goes into the the forest to climb the trees it's like the first time he's probably i don't know five six seven i don't know a few years old and before he goes out he makes this this supplicating gesture that uh apes tend to make to each other and he kind of knows that instinctively right he has this intuition um to make this supplicating move though he's never seen it he's never seen it because he's never been around any other apes and he does it and so he goes off into the forest and one time when they're coming back there's like this weird interaction that caesar has where he's like walking on a leash with will and then some other family is walking their dog which happens to be a german shepherd and then they have this, the, the German Shepherd is like growling and then you see Caesar's animal instincts start to come out in this scene. He's kind of looking at this animal and he he growls back and scares him off. So you kind of see Caesar's animal instincts start to come out. Now at this moment, the tension, right? The tension is really thick and Caesar at this point wants to know more about where he comes from. So he asks Will, and Will can't really give him much of an answer, like a comforting answer, because Caesar knows that he's different. Caesar knows that he's not really like the humans. So this becomes, to me in the movie, was a critical point, because I think what's important for a father to do is really establish identity. Right. Even though Will is not the biological father in this case, I mean, he's still like the father. He's still the one who raised Caesar, like it or not. And so he's he has that responsibility of establishing some type of identity. So this is where he tells he tells Caesar about his mother. And of course, you know, Caesar ain't got no father. I mean, like this whole movie is so relatable to me. Um, so he he doesn't have a father. He's you know he's asking about um, where where he's from, and so Will takes him to the lab, not inside, but to the lab where he was, and he told him the story of his mom and how they experimented on him, and blah 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 blah. So that was a that was a critical point where he, that's the role of a father is really to establish the identity of the child, right? Who you are. That's what fathers are generally responsible for telling you like who you are like how you're supposed to behave like where where are you from and who's this and who's your family and like fathers do that 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 establishing the identity and building and affirming the identity so that's why that part to me was like really really significant and moving forward right he's caesar is becoming a, a a a bigger primate he's a bigger ape now and and he's developing his sense of self and we see these ways come out and one of the thing that one of the things that develops starts to develop significantly is his protection instinct right his protector instinct and there was a scene where the neighbor uh, got into a confrontation with the with will's father um i call him the grandfather with the grandfather because the grandfather had alzheimer's and he relapsed and he had one of his fits and he he took the neighbor's car and kind of, I don't know, kind of wrecked it or something. So he's outside of the house and the neighbor is, you know, really upset. And he, you know, he starts, you know, uh, intimidating the grandfather and, you know, 
poking him in the chest and making all these intimidating gestures. Caesar can't hear this. He can't hear what's being said, but he can. he's looking at the gestures, which indicated everything um, that a fight does. Like, you ready to fight? Oh, 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 okay. You about to fight my grandfather? He comes out and he handles him, right? And, and he, of course, that's an animal attack. Um, when this when Caesar's black body attacked the neighbor, it was an animal attack, so it was treated as such. And he went to the equivalent of jail, right? He pretty much went to jail, prison. So when Caesar gets to jail, he gets into a fight the first day. As soon as he steps into the yard, I think he fights um, Rocket, I think is his name. He's one of the top-ranking apes in the yard right and so you know you, you gotta fight him that's how it goes in the yard you gotta fight him so he fought with caesar and beat the snot out of caesar and that was that and so that's in the in much of the animal kingdom that's just how you establish social hierarchy and you know nobody really bothered him after that but he was definitely at the bottom he was at the bottom of the social hierarchy and that's really the only way to establish that in the natural world. Um, in the human world, we have all these other ways like money and stuff like that, and titles and positions and degrees and things that don't really matter in the natural world. But in, in the natural world, it's kind of how things get done. So this whole idea of like violence is never supposed to happen is really great and ideal. However, in the natural world, there are uses for certain types of violence. So there's that. Anyway, after he, after uh, Caesar, you know, kind of gets into the fight, um, he, he's, he's there, he's in there. And what happens is that he meets the, um, I think the orangutan, right? You know, the big orange, the big orange joint. I think his name is uh, Maurice, actually. But Maurice happens to know sign language as well. So they they develop a relationship through, through signing to each other. And I think one poignant thing, one of the first poignant things that Maurice says in sign language, he says, be careful, uh, human no like smart ape, right? They, they talk in kind of like a, a broken English. <laughs> you know, the more I talk about this movie, the more it gets relatable. But um, they speak in like kind of like a a, a short and, and, and clear, if you ask me, kind of a short and clear English. Um, and so he says, so he says, careful, the human, human know like smart ape. They don't like the smart apes. You know, they don't like smart niggas. So <laughs> that's a problem. And so he's starting to, you know, kind of find his footing there just a little bit. I don't think it helps that much to make one friend, but just he ain't got nothing to lose. He's at the bottom, so he can only really make friends. Um, so then he gets a visit from Will at some point. And he realizes he's still not going home and he was hurt. He was really hurt by that. That was maybe his first visit. And they were like, now nah, we can't take you home yet. So at this point, you can see Caesar start to become more hardened because it's like now he's now he's like, oh, you got me stuck in here with these apes. Oh, it's crazy. So he starts to think, right? He starts to think about how to to establish a 
a, a higher state of social dominance or a higher place in the social hierarchy. So he finds a way to sneak himself out of his own cell and he goes and he, the first thing he does is he frees the gorilla. The gorilla is in his own cell, solitary confinement in the middle of the yard or not in the middle, but in the corner of the yard and he sneaks out and he, he lets the gorilla go free. So with that, he's instantly granted all types, any type of immune, almost any type of immunity, right? You let the biggest, strongest ape out of the cage. I mean, you good after that in any yard, you probably be, you probably be good. So after that, um, he, he lets rocket out of the, the cage. He gets him into the yard, knocks him upside the head. And instead of whooping him, he could have whooped him. Caesar could have whooped rocket, right? Caesar could have got back at him and, and beat him up again. But instead of doing that, he chose not to. He showed compassion. Very strong character trait, if you ask me. He showed compassion and didn't whoop him. Um, and and on top of that, the, the big gorilla made Rocket bow down to Caesar. Now that puts Caesar way up in the social hierarchy. Way, 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 way up way way up now because now and everybody was around to witness that all the other apes in the in, in well they were in cages at the time but who would normally be in the yard they could see this interaction happening and so they all witnessed it this put caesar in a very high place in the in the social ranking so after this happens then will comes back to take Caesar home. I mean, Will did what he had to do. He's tried to bribe the guy and everything, but this is where Caesar decides to stay. Caesar says, nah, I mean, he didn't say it, but he, he, he's like, nah, I'm not going. I'm not going. And see, I, I can kind of relate to this. It's kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier, where like, or even in the last podcast where I was talking about the sins of the father. And I was talking about all these questionable characters. It's like, even though I don't necessarily do these things or behave in the same way, these fathers, I don't really think that I'm that much different. Like, I don't walk around thinking that I'm that much different when, when people say stuff like, yeah, well, you know, you know, there's black people and then there's niggas. And then like, I may have said that. And if I did, I, I really had to apologize to myself for trying to even make that distinction. But like now, I, I don't even know how to make that distinction. And I think it's 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 kind of like an arbitrary imaginary line that people just kind of come up with. And everyone can make their own, they can draw the line wherever they want to of what exactly that even means. So me, I don't really try to disassociate myself. And even if I ever did like verbally disassociate myself, like I've I've never really like felt that way. Like I've never really felt any different from any of these other niggas out here. I don't really feel that different from them i don't feel like i'm different than them and i don't feel like just because i've made i should i honestly i've made some of the same decisions <laughs> so, so i really don't feel that much different i just i just haven't done a lot of crimes but we're not all criminals so there's a lot more that that we can relate on other than crime and so with that being the case i feel like i have a lot more in common with the with the quote unquote the niggas and so therefore I personally don't try to disassociate myself. Um, and I, I like in this movie how Caesar 
he didn't. He, he closed the door, you know, and he got acceptance. He got acceptance from the white man and, and everything, which is what so many people consider validation. And he got that, you know, acceptance from the white man to say, hey, you know what? Come back like you don't belong with them. And he, he closed the cage on Will. He said, I'm going to stay here. Now, I thought that was a very significant part of the movie because it's clearly establishing himself and he's he's clearly found his identity. You know, and the father, the father gives you an identity. However, as a man, it's important to make it your own and and live by the principles because you, you ultimately you, you get to create yourself as a man. Like once after you're not in your father's care anymore, which he wasn't, he was in jail. He made his own. He became his own man, so to speak. Right. And, He's he's still an ape, but he became his own man. Caesar became his own man, so to speak. And that's really, really important, especially when when you talk about the foundations for fatherhood. And like I said in the last podcast, I don't necessarily think that we need more fathers. We need better men. And so I like how the I like how Caesar actually was building himself up to be a better man and be amongst his own people. So anyway, after he jumped out after or after he chose to stay, the apes just gave him an applaud and a roaring cheer like the big gorilla, you know what I'm saying, got up and and ah and they all just started going crazy. Ah. Right? God, he one of us. Ah, he's rocking. Ah. It was exciting, right? He all he's rocking with us. Oh yeah, like that they all gave him mad respect. They gave him lots of respect for making that decision and choosing not to not to leave because they all saw him. He had a choice. He could have left. He could have went back to his life. He could have went back to his house and his bed and he could have, you know, put his clothes back on and da, 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 da. But he ain't want to go be nobody's pet. I mean, I just had mad respect for that. He just didn't want to go back and be that white man's pet. No diss to the white man. He raised him and everything, but he just wouldn't. Why would you want to go be somebody's pet when when, when you can you could be at the top of the social hierarchy amongst your own people that you know that's that's neither here nor there it's just kind of a rhetorical question um so anyway after that after they all cheer him on caesar is really committed to the idea that he's there and so he realizes that he has to create something different that maybe they haven't seen before. So what he does is he lets Rocket out of the out of his cage one night and he makes Rocket give a cookie to each of the other apes. He grabs some cookies from somewhere in somebody's office, right? He had he had a he had his key to get out, so he could just sneak out whenever he wanted. So he just grabbed some cookies and he made Rocket in a very orderly way give a cookie to everybody in the in the jail, inside the jail. Which I thought was important because that was a constructive use of Caesar's power, right? Um, he could have taken the cookies and he could have ate, eaten them all by himself. He could have taken the cookies and he could have distributed um, the, all of the cookies. And I thought that the way that he chose to do it was uh, was great for like not only 
asserting his dominance, like he was given dominance, right, by the by the gorilla, but not only asserting his dominance, but also creating order, which was important. And also, in a sense, showing humility, right? Showing humility because if he wanted all the props and attention, he could have been the one responsible for giving each of the apes a cookie and all the attention would have went to him and it would have been like oh caesar's great caesar did this caesar did that but he 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 chose to have his lieutenant i guess you know that's kind of it does multiple things right it establishes lieutenant a lieutenant for him right rocket the one who was once his bully now becomes his lieutenant i mean that's that's a really really high display of humility and then also it shows an, another level of respect right so not only does do you have to respect the big monkey and caesar but also rocket is still he's still the one y'all gotta respect right so after rocket you know distributes the, the cookies the next day in the yard maurice is talking to caesar and maurice is like well, why the cookies and Caesar says, ape by himself is weak, apes together strong. So something like that, right? So he's, he's just saying that, you know, establishing the principle of unity. He's trying to build this principle of unity. Again, he's just building principles. He's building, he's building. He's a builder. He's a builder. That's why, that's why this movie works for me. I mean, just on a lot of levels. Now, it goes on further, right? This is not the end of the movie just yet. And um, I want to take us there in part two of this episode. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna stop right there for the moment. But in part two, we're going to further see how, even though he does not, Caesar does not become a biological father until the second part, uh, the second movie. Um, still, in this first one, he becomes the father of a civilization. So we're going to see how that happens. And I'm going to walk you through how I think that that is important. I mean, again, because fathering a civilization is something that I don't think about enough. And this movie kind of helped me to think about a lot more and what needs to be established in order to do so. All right. So next episode is going to be part two, obviously very self-explanatory. But before I get up out of here, I do want to suggest a reading. And I just thought about how cool this was. I didn't plan it this way, but this book... Um, this book actually is kind of similar to the movie. Not that similar, but the premise is kind of interesting, which is, well, the name of the book is called Of Water and Spirit. It's by Maladoma Somay. It's actually a story about how he was educated in Europe and had and then came back to his people in Africa. I forget which country in Africa because there are at least 54 or like 58 countries in Africa because Africa is a really big continent with a lot of different countries. And each country is actually really diverse. And there's a lot of different ethnicities within each country. And that's how you end up with 2000 languages on the planet. So I don't, uh, 2000 languages on the continent, I'm sorry, the continent of Africa alone, there's 2000 languages. And so I can't remember which one Maladoma Somay comes from. However, he has to reintegrate back into that society from being educated by the Europeans, which is actually kind of the premise of this movie. It's really interesting. So 
that's a good read um if you're interested definitely check that out i think it's available in most places um so get that do yourself a favor all right with that i'm gonna let y'all get up out of here thank you for tuning in this is the reaching father podcast i am your host osa peace and i'm out I shake my head and look around, it's sad, sad You should know the black dad ain't a bad dad But it's too many in a crisis like Sudan Let me be transparent like a glad bag